If you have your Bibles for just a little while, amen. We want to read from Philippians chapter 3, and I was going to read from 13 through 15, but I'm going to begin reading at verse 8 to put it in context. And we want to define something here today. Uh, People who are goal-oriented are the most motivated, enthusiastic, passionate, productive people in all of the world. If you have no goals in your personal life, then there's no real reason to get up in the morning. There's there's no, what are you going to do? Well, I get up and go to work. Well, I'm not talking about, you know, I owe, I owe. It's off to work I go. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about something you have to do. I'm talking about a goal in your life. And this is a college... uh, Professors that have gotten together and and made statements about this. If you're goal-oriented, if someone wants to be a doctor and they have a passion for medicine. Now, see, if someone wants to be a doctor so they can retire at 50 and live the rest of their life in Maui surfing, that's not the reason to go into medicine. But if you want to help people and you have a passion to help people, Those are a separate class of persons. Both of them can possibly get a degree. You can make yourself study. You can make yourself. But I'm going to tell you, if I was going to choose a doctor, I want the one that didn't get in it to retire at 50 and live on Maui. I'd like to have a doctor that said, I want to help people. I want to see, do everything in my power to feel in my life. This is my calling. I'm passionate. I'm committed. That is my goal. And all my studies is for that reason. And, and the same way with an athlete. You take that over into the, uh, over into the realm of, of athletes. And the Olympics are now getting ready to be held in, is it Peru? I mean, Brazil in South America. Paul talked about the athlete and and his purpose, his living his life with purpose. And he said, when I fight in my spiritual battles, he said, I don't fight like one that beats the air. I'm not shadow boxing. I am absolutely committed. I know where my enemies are. I know where my aim is to be. And I aim to overcome the flesh. I aim to overcome the world. I aim to overcome the devil. And I aim to live my life to to serve my God with everything I am and everything that I have. In the Christian faith, we need to be goal-oriented. Because if we're not, we're just... We're not standing on the promises. We're just sitting on the premises. And sitting in church won't make you a victorious, productive, fruitful Christian any more than sitting in a carport will make you a car. You don't just become this. You have to want it and you have to go after it. Paul said, I don't fight as one that beateth the air. I don't just shadow box. I live by Mango Road. And it wasn't even paved when I lived State Road 579 where the Hardys is. That's where I grew up. And I would watch Sergeant Preston of the Yukon, Roy Rogers, some of those Lash LaRue, or as my grandma called him, Whiplash. (laughs) She couldn't say Lash LaRue. And I'd watch all these guys on Saturday morning. And there was woods behind the house, a bunch of woods, but it was by that road, 579. And I would go up in those woods, and I would begin to reenact 
all of that stuff. I had a little old gun and holster, and of course I had to get in fight with somebody. And I remember one time when I was maybe, you know, 10, 9, 10, and I got up in them woods and I decided I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be Lash LaRue today or I'm going to be Sergeant Preston of the Yukon. I'd take my little old shaggy dog and pretend he was Ren 1010 and just get in my imagination. We didn't have Xbox. We didn't have PlayStation. We didn't even have the little Pong game on television. We didn't have color TV. Nothing. So you had to use your imagination. So I imagination that I was in the, you know, out in the West somewhere, and, and I got in a fight with a fictitious character. Now I'm going to, and I remember, I'll never forget it. I, I was lost in my world, and, and I was fighting whatever this guy was, and I would hit him. And then, of course, he had to hit me back, so I would take a hit and fall down and get up and run at him and, and hit him, and then, then I'd take a hit and fall over backwards. And, 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 I mean, we were in a fight, brother. And suddenly out of my peripheral, two cars had stopped on 579, <laughs> wondering if I was having a fit or what. <laughs> And I straightened up and walked back in the woods and hid behind a tree till they pulled off. I was afraid they'd go call the popo on me. <laughs> Said there's some kid out there in the woods having a spasm. He's having a fit. The Apostle Paul used the athlete of the Greek culture. And he said, we don't fight as Christians, as one that beateth the air. We're not shadow boxing. We know where our enemies is, and we know who our allies are. And we don't fight as one that beats the air. And he said, I buffet, and I think of Sean. Sean's working today, send us an email, or send us a text. But every time I say buffet, it's spelled the same way as buffet. Amen. So Sean would always say, buffet my body. <laughs> he gets golden corral on the brain. And we have this little thing between us where I buffet my body. Well, we all buffet our bodies. But Paul said, I buffet my body. I bring it into subjection. I bring it into subjection. It's called crucifying the flesh. It's not going to be... Listen, if, have you ever heard the term play, play, playing possum? I've watched them do it. My dog can outrun a possum. He can outrun a squirrel if he's not close to a fence or a tree. He will catch them. And he's caught the possum more than once. But the moment he grabs the possum, the possum just goes... I'm dead. You've got it. There's no need to kill me. You know why? Because I'm dead. You can let me go and go off trot and say, I killed the possum. I killed the possum. And that's where we get the term playing possum. Because as soon as the dog lets him go and walks away, he gets up and takes off. And I... I oh, yeah, he lets out an odor. Makes you don't want to bother him anymore. Your flesh and mine will play possum to keep you from dealing effectively with it. It'll play possum. 
And when people, I like what Vance Habner said about just getting religion instead of pursuing a genuine, authentic, deepening, widening, fulfilling relationship with Jesus Christ. He said so many Christians have been inoculated with such a mild form of Christianity. They become immune to the real thing. If it doesn't, if your devotion doesn't make you want to crucify the flesh, want to deny that part of yourself, not your inner self. I was asked one time to come and speak for, for a group of college students, Campus Crusaders for Christ. And I didn't know who they were. There was a gym beside a building they had rented and they were meeting. And I had my sweat clothes on. I don't wear muscle shirts. I saw a shirt the other day, it, 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 and it was a muscle shirt, you know, so you could see your arms, you know, show off your guns, gun show type thing. And, and it, it, it said on the shirt, I flexed, I flexed my guns, and both of my sleeves fell off. Couldn't take the pressure. Have you ever seen the Hulk? I've often wondered, does he wear stretch pants? You know, because he gets so used. But his pants stay on, and he never, you know. There's just things I, I think about that normal people don't think about. Yeah. yeah. And he don't even wear suspenders. We don't fight as one that beats the air. Paul said, I exact my energies. I, ha- I am goal-oriented. I pursue it. Oh, you can hear it in his, in his writings. You can hear it. Oh, that I might know him. It's a goal to know him. Not just know about him, but to know him. Why? Because they that know their God shall be strong and do exploits. It's clear. The writers and those those people who are, who are talked about in the book of Acts, they knew their God. Can you say, man, because the acts of the apostles are there because the apostles knew God and they did exploits. Can you say, man, hallelujah, miracles were not limited to the twelve apostles for another seventy were sent out with that same appointing, not as an apostle, but seventy believers were sent out. And this idea that after the twelve apostles died, all the miracles stopped. What about the other seventy? Can you say, man, that sent out and came back saying, demons are subject to us. And Jesus saying, don't rejoice because demons are subject to you. But rather the real cause of rejoicing is that your name is written down in heaven. But he never contested that demons were subject unto them. Because they were. Can you say, man? And the, the miracles didn't stop with the apostles or there would be no teaching or preaching on answered prayer. Because a miracle simply defined in any dictionary in one form or another, the most simplistic explanation of a miracle is a supernatural intervention in the normal course of human affairs. A supernatural, say it with me, a supernatural intervention in the normal course of human affairs. Every time a prayer is answered for anything, if someone is praying for money to complete their building... And the money comes in and they attribute it to God. Then a supernatural 
intervention in the normal course of human affairs has happened. And I've always been of this, this attitude. If God can work a miracle to build the building, He can work a miracle to heal the temple that He lives in. Can you say, man? Because the, the building is where the temple goes to worship on Sunday. Oh, I don't think you heard me. I said the building, no matter how elaborate it is, is where the temple goes to worship on Sunday. Hallelujah. Your body, not the building. Your body, not the building. Your body, not the building, is the temple of the Holy Ghost. Can you say amen? Why? Because heaven is His throne. Earth is His footstool. Where's the building to contain me? Where's the building that will draw him? If the earth is his footstool, what are you going to build to contain him? To make him want to come and live there? But he says, to whom will I look? Even to he. God wanted to live in us. And through Christ and the Holy Spirit and what happened at Calvary. He can come. And he did come. They're all over Jesus. They're pushing. They're pressing on Him. They're pushing. They're trying to get a touch from Him or get to touch Him. And the apostles that are following Him are getting the elbowed out of the way. They said, Lord, how is it? How in the world are you going to be personal and intimate to us individually? With all of these people pushing and shoving all the time. How are you going to manifest yourself to us and not the whole world? And he said, if anybody hear my commandments and keepeth them, my Father and I will love them and we will come to him and we will make our abode with him. An abode is not where you visit. So God doesn't show up when you get a liver shiver. It's when you get aware of his presence. Can you say man? He's not more present when you feel him. It's just that you become conscious of His presence when you feel it. And in the midst of Holy Spirit-driven worship, sometimes you just sense the presence of God. But the, the good news is that when you don't sense the presence of God and it feels like heaven is brass and it feels like God is aloof and aloft in His heaven, He is not. Because when you become a Christian, the Father comes to live with Him. The Son comes to live with you. In fact, it's, it's your, your verification that heaven is going to be your home. It's Christ in you. That is the hope of glory. Because if the whole... And by the way, in Him dwelt all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. So you have the Father when you have the Son. And you have the Son when you have the Father. And you say, man, you have the Holy Spirit. Did you know something? The golden streets... Is not what makes heaven holy. Did you know the gates of pearl, 12 gates, three on each side of the four square city, are not what makes heaven holy? Pearls don't make you holy. They don't make heaven holy. Gold don't make you holy. Can you say amen? You can put, you ever seen some of the rich rappers? They're going to be stooped by the time they're 70 if they make it that long. You know why they're going to be stooped? They're wearing four pounds of gold around their neck. It don't make you holy. 
Gold don't make. Pure gold doesn't make heaven pure or holy. You know what makes heaven holy? God makes it holy. But if that same God comes on a burning bush and the man stops because God is manifesting on that bush, God speaks in the first person out of that bush and says, Moses, take off your shoes because by virtue of my presence on that bush, the ground around it is holy. God comes down on Sinai on the top of a mountain and the mountain shakes and quakes. That mountain and the perimeter of it is holy. And if an animal, if a rabbit tries to come up that mountain, they're to kill the rabbit lest he approach that holy God. Behind the veil, there's a holy presence where God manifests His earthly presence. And only the high priest, after confessing his sins, going through ceremonial washings for himself, getting undergarments and then an outer garment that is completely clean and pure, could walk behind that veil and only once a year to offer first a sacrifice for himself and then a sacrifice, sin sacrifice for the nation of Israel. And if he failed, without a sacrifice, then the judgment of God would come on the covenant people. So they put a rope around him and they put bells on the bottom of his robe so every time he moved, you could hear bells jingling. While he poured, went behind the veil and he poured oil on the mercy seat. What is the mercy seat? It's the top of the ark of the covenant it was made of solid gold the ark god's christ humanity the gold christ divinity can you say man and in that ark was the was the two tables of stone representing the law it was aaron's rod that budded god's supernatural deliverance from egypt and was god's provision amen the manna a jar of manna sealed that heavenly food it's all supernatural stuff can you say man And on top of that gopher wood ark was a solid gold molded lid flat in between two seraphim, two angels, and they are poised looking down at the flat part of the lid because the blood was to be sprinkled on the mercy seat. What did God tell them? Passover that became our communion and Lord's Supper. What did He tell them? When I see what? When I see the blood, I will pass over you. Can you say amen? So the angels are not looking up toward God. They're looking down toward that mercy seat. And that high priest, once a year, only for... Enough time to offer a sin sacrifice for himself and then walk behind the veil and sprinkle the blood on that mercy seat in behalf of the nation of Israel. If he failed, judgment was going to come. I'm going to tell you something today. No one's going to heaven without the blood of Jesus. There's no religious thing you can do. No, no giving of yourself. No, no kind of, of acts you can do that can take the place. Without the shedding of blood, mark it down, there is no 
sacrifice for sin. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing. You can't go to Nepal and climb to the top of the mountain. You can't become a monk somewhere. You can't become a philanthropist. And if you became rich and give money to the poor, none of that will earn you. You can't earn it by grace. By grace, by grace, by grace, by grace, by grace you are saved. It is the gift of God. It is not of any work of man, lest any man would boast. No one in heaven can brag about being there. Everyone will be humbled that they can walk through the gates into that city. But imagine this holy God. A thrice holy God. This God saying what my son is going to do on the cross. Is going to allow my father and me and the Holy Spirit. Those three that make up the Godhead. That make heaven holy. Hallelujah. We're going to come live in you. Oh, I don't know if you get I don't know. I, I you see the difference in sitting in church on Sunday and just going through the motions? And getting a revelation that brings a realization? So what's your hope of glory? I got God's Word. You got more than God's Word. You got God's Son living in you. And if the holiest... And what is the Holy Spirit called? He's called the earnest of our inheritance. You know what earnest? They used to call a down payment earnest money. That means if I give you $5,000 down on that $15,000 car, I'm really committed to buying it. Amen. Amen? You can cash my check and vacuum that car out. I'm coming to get it. You know why? Because I'm not going to leave my $5,000 invested and not get the car. I just lose my money and get nothing for it. God has invested His Son. Jesus has invested His own blood, sacrifice on the cross. And believe me, when He gives us the Holy Spirit, who manifests the presence of the Father and the Son, not just Himself in our life, can you say amen? When He comes, He'll tell you that I'm in there. He'll testify of me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If the three holiest persons of heaven that sanctify not only heaven, but sanctify a mountain and sanctify a bush. He got to sanctify you and me down on the inside enough that they can make their abode. I'm trying to grasp this after all of these years. I'm highly motivated to know who I am in Christ. And to know who He is in me. Hallelujah. I'm highly motivated. Hallelujah. To celebrate with the knowledge and understanding. To praise Him with understanding. To know why I'm praising Him. To what I have in Christ. And, and to know that my sins are forgiven. And if the holiest ones, Christ in you is what? The hope of glory. Why? Why do you have this anticipation of living with Him in heaven forever? Because the holiest ones of heaven can now come and feel and be right at home in your spirit. And if the God of glory can live in me, and I, here's a newsflash. 
I'm not that perfect. Heaven's, heaven's perfect. I can see why God can live in heaven. But you see, heaven hasn't been bathed in blood. Because heaven don't need to be bathed in blood because there's nothing, no sin to be forgiven. Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Amen. You can never overcome the devil's accusations nor your own conscience. You can never overcome them. Amen. Just by trying to be sinlessly perfect. Now that doesn't give you license to sin. We shouldn't try to, to sin. We should fight the good fight. We should confess our sin. We could get up and run on in this race. But listen to me. No one can achieve a place of sinless perfection to where you don't need the blood of Jesus applied to your life. You know what the devil is called? His name in the, in the New Testament is Diablos. Devil comes from Diablos. The Greek word that means a maligner. Someone who wants to tear you down so that he can tear you up. Can you say man? So he can take away your confidence and your faith and your boldness in prayer. To tell you God will not hear you. God will not listen. You're, you've got too many sins. Listen, sin can be dealt with. God has made a way for your sin and mine to be dealt with. Can you say man? If we say we have no sin at all, we lie and do not the truth. But if we confess our, oh, repentance. How did it ever get this, this, the negative spin on it? Amen. Repentance allows restoration. It allows forgiveness. It allows God to wipe the slate clean. Listen, His mercies are new every morning. When I got up this morning, amen, listen, I could put this in context, but I gotta, I gotta read it. Amen. It gets down to where Paul said, <laughs> he said, in, Brethren, in verse 13, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth to those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling in Jesus Christ. I what? I'm highly motivated. I press. I press. I strain forward for the... For the, toward the mark for the prize of the high calling. Let me stop right here just a minute. i got three sermons going. Got to finish them all three in five minutes. I started out to define the prize. Heaven is not the prize. Heaven is not the goal. Get what Paul was after and you get heaven thrown in. Heaven is not the goal for living for God. Live for God, you get heaven thrown in. The prize of the high calling is what Paul was after. He said, I haven't got it yet, but I'm going to keep grasping what I've been grasped to grasp. Hallelujah. What was he after? Oh, that I might know Him. Hallelujah. In the fellowship of His sufferings. That I might also know Him in the power of His resurrection. And by the way, power wasn't what He was after Pentecostal. It was a person. Get the person, you get the power thrown in. And put on Christ. The power is thrown in. And make no provision for the flesh. 
Put off the old man. Be renewed in your mind in the spirit of it. And put on the new man. The prize of the high calling was clear. The prize was Christ. It was always Jesus. To be like Jesus we used to sing. To be like Jesus. To know Him. To make Him known. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. To follow Him. Hallelujah. Praise God. Oh, that I might know Him. He said, I'm dead, but yet I'm alive. And yet it's not I that live, but Christ that lives in me. Somebody said, I can't live the Christian life. Amen. You sure enough can't. You can get religion. You can go to church, but without a relationship with God, you can't live for God. You can't do it. Oh, no, you can be fronting on Sunday. Come on, you be fronting. Look at my cross, how big it is and how it glitters in the lights. I'm looking for the cross on your back, not the one on your breast. I'm looking for the one that crucifies and puts to death the flesh that you might follow Jesus. I'm not looking for religious paraphernalia. Amen. I was in the Christian bookstore the other day and I saw a robe. Man, that thing looked good. And I thought I wouldn't have to worry about my tie and shirt coordinating. If I had that robe right, if I had me some vestments. Of course, he would leave when I put them on. But anyway, I could wear them one time. I wouldn't have to worry about what tie coordinates with what. Amen. Just put this robe on. And come and I'm not putting down robes and vestments. I'm just saying that ain't gonna make you holy. You can put on robes all day long. God looking at your heart. Man looks where? Where we want to show outward appear. Where did God look? He looks at the heart. Ain't no cross big enough. Down in down at the cross now, you can get them at the jewelry store and they're worn for decoration. Has nothing to do with commitment to Christ. To us it's a symbol of victory. To the world it's just a it's just a decorative thing a fashion statement missionary went down to Mexico and outside one of the old cathedrals in Mexico there was a guy that was carving crosses out of a particular wood and they were very well carved very well he was selling them to the tourist and he was hollering cheap crosses cheap crosses cheap crosses and on Sunday morning, those who do not preach a Christ that is worth your total commitment is crying cheap crosses. Can you say, man, it won't cost you much to bear this cross, to wear this cross. Lady went in a jewelry store and said, I'd like to buy a cross for my, for my granddaughter for a confirmation or whatever it was. And the jeweler spoke honestly and said, well, what kind of cross do you want? We have cheap crosses. We have moderately priced crosses and we have bejeweled expensive crosses. We have crosses that span the spectrum of their value. I'm going to tell you something about the cross that Jesus died on. We were not redeemed with corruptible things 
like silver and gold after the tradition of your fathers. They said if somebody's going to ransom somebody, they're going to have to pay a physical, material price. There is something that is priceless. It is beyond putting a value on. Can you say, man, it's the cross where Jesus died. Hallelujah. But you were redeemed with the precious, priceless, beyond anyone's ability to value the worth of it you see when your soul is facing banishment from heaven and eternal punishment and someone has paid the price with their own blood so that your soul would not go to hell forever you can't put a price on that Come on, it's not worth the world and all of its gold, silver, fortune, and fame. Can you? We used to sing it because we knew it. Take this whole world and give me Jesus. I won't turn back. In this day of falling away, we need some people with a I won't turn back attitude. With a different value system. Can you say, man, more precious than diamonds, more more costly than gold is the blood of my Savior that was shed for my soul. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. It motivates people. It motivated Paul. I want to know Him. When I get Him, I'll have the power. When I get Him, I'll have the love. When I get Him, I'll have everything that I need. Oh, that I might know Him. No cheap cross here. It will cost you everything to follow Christ and it's worth it. There's no cheap grace here. Grace is not to cover up your sin. It's to cleanse you from sin. Can you say man? Oh, the blood of Jesus that washes me white as snow. He said, forgetting the things that are behind... And reaching forth to those things that are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling. Your highest calling is not to go to heaven. So that's not the prize of the high calling. Heaven is not. Actually, heaven shouldn't be your primary goal. Why are you serving Jesus? Because I want to go to heaven. Well, we all want to go to heaven. Remember little Johnny in Sunday school? Teacher taught on heaven and the alternative to heaven. Then the class, you want to know if the kids got it. They're seven, eight-year-old kids. <laughs> so little, how many of you now want to go to heaven? Well, everybody raised their hand except little Johnny. I said, Johnny, don't you want to go to heaven? He said, yeah, but the way you were talking, I thought you were getting up a load right now. What's the old song say? Everybody wants to go to heaven. Nobody wants to die. Amen. Kids are pretty honest. Well, what is the goal? What should be the goal of the Christian life? I'm glad you asked. To be like Jesus. Listen. The only way everything's going to work together for good in your life is if you love God enough that you want to be like Him. It's called godly. doesn't mean sinless perfection. It means in your heart of hearts, you want to follow Christ. You want to be more like Him instead of them. You know who them is. It's who we emulate and imitate in the world. 
let me, let me, let's get this real straight. All things are not going to be good and work together for good unless you understand God wants you like His Son. And when you want to be like His Son, you will interpret whatever helps crucify your flesh is good. If I preach a message that nails your hide, it nails mine too. And it helps me deny myself and take up my cross. If I pet you every Sunday and tell you sin is alright and help the devil try to destroy you when you need God's blessing so bad, I'm doing you a terrible disservice. I'm telling you, God's got it, and you don't believe He's got it. I'm telling you, God's going to help you, and He can't help you until you decide that you want Jesus more than sin. You want to serve God more than Satan, and you want His way instead of your will. And I guarantee you, He'll father you. And when He fathers you, He will take care of you. He will provide for you. He will protect you. David said, I was young, and now I'm old. I used to couldn't say that part of that song. I say, I was young and I'm still young, bless the Lord. But now that I'm almost 70, I guess I can talk like David. I was young. (laughs) In a galaxy far, far away in a time long, long ago. I was young. But now, and you people that are 30 and under, say, he old guy. He know he old guy. Everybody I know that's almost 70 is an old guy when I was young. But now he's not so old after all. You ain't so old. You ain't so old, young man. You ain't so young. You ain't so old. I was young. Now I'm old. I've lived a lifetime. I've been down, toe up from the floor, but I got up. Because God lifted me up, forgave my sin. I had a heart to do right, and He helped me to do right. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. I was young, but now I'm old. I've lived a lifetime. I've never seen the righteous forsaken. I've never seen His seed have to beg for bread. God will make a way where there seems to be no way. Because He is the way. Hallelujah. It's the truth. David, they left everything to follow Jesus because they wanted to be right with God more than they wanted the world. And they told him, Jesus, we've left everything to follow you. And he looked back at him and said, yeah, have you lacked anything? We had a bed to lay on. It might have been a rock in a field, but we had a bed to lay on. We had food in our belly. We had clothes on our back. And we had God in our life. We ain't missing nothing. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. 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 We ain't missing nothing. Brother Venable, do you live in a gated community? No, but I'm threatening to build a fence. Picking up my dog's poopies bad enough. I don't want to pick up everybody else's dog's poop. <laughs> You've got big dogs. Well, i got a pooper scooper. 
it's a nice thing. You don't have to hold it like I used to, you know, and put it in something, put a paper over your hand and grab it. This thing just, I love it. Whoever invented that, I'm going to hug him. Amen. You just drop it in the bag. Just, you know, you got me my first pooper scooper. I want to thank you, sister. <laughs> say, say we're a little church. We're too poor to buy him a Grand Cherokee. We got him a pooper scooper. Hallelujah. <laughs> and he just loves it. He talk about it on Sunday. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know I got thankful heart. Praise God. Praise God. One day I'm going to live in a gated city. But it won't be in Walden Lakes, Plant City. Hallelujah. Twelve gates. Twelve gates to the city. Hallelujah. All the gates carved out of a solid pearl. But that's not what makes heaven holy. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit, the triune God, sanctify that city and make it holy. And that triune God has done something for you through the blood of Jesus Christ that God the Father... God the Son and God the Holy Spirit can make their abode in our bodies. Angels don't need salvation. The angels that sinned got kicked out. Can you say amen? Amen? With the devil and his angels, the dragon in the book of Revelation, the devil... That old serpent, he, he pulled a third of the stars, the angels of heaven, amen, out with, the, with his tail. They followed him in rebellion in heaven, and they had to follow him into judgment when he was cast out. But the angels that are there now don't need salvation. They don't need forgiveness. They are holy and pure and sinless. And the reason they are is not just because they are celestial, but because of the sanctifying presence that they were created into and stand in every single moment by the way the sacrifice the gift doesn't sanctify the altar but when it's placed on the altar the altar sanctifies the gift offer your body offer your body a living guess what happens a cleansing, the application of the blood of Jesus Christ into that life. Can you say, man? Here we sit, seeing ourselves as poor old, helpless, hopeless sinners that keep stumbling around and bumbling around, and we need to see ourselves as God sees us. Can you say, man? You are royal blood here today. I said, You are royal blood here today. There's a lady in our congregation went home to be with the Lord years ago. And when I conducted her funeral, they buried her in Atlanta. I drove to Atlanta, stayed in a motel. I got there the next day. I went in with the family viewing before the funeral. They opened the casket. She was dressed up beautifully. I, this was just me and not the Lord. But I just, I, when I looked at her, I thought, you know, here in America, she was just a housewife. She was just a minimum wage labor and back in her lineage somewhere there was probably a slave in this country but there was a beauty 
There was a, even in death, because she knew the Lord, there was a beauty. It wasn't the way they had clothed or made her up. There was just this beauty. There wasn't this, this terrible, there was a beauty. And I remember coming home, I said, you know, she looked like an African princess. She looked like a princess. The only thing I could think of is a, is a princess. Did you know the moment you come to Christ as your Savior? Paul said, you know, there's some things we don't see clearly. But our best revelation, we look through a glass at our best that he gives us darkly. The actual Greek says a smoked bottle. You can see images, but you can't see them distinctly. We don't need to see them distinctly. We don't have to see them. If God wanted us to see it, he would have revealed it. Amen. Amen. He said, well, why did, what about this? Why didn't he tell me? Because the secret things belong to the Lord. But you know what he has given us? Everything that pertains to life and godliness. And that's all we need down here until we get there. Can you say amen? That's all we need down here until we get there. Because when we get there, we will see him as he is there. We will know him as he is. Why? <laughs> Because we're going to be just like him, the Bible said. Woo! Our vile bodies. Oh, I'm sorry. I know you looked in the mirror and flexed this morning and said, Mirror, mirror on the wall. Who's the fairest of us all? Did that to a mirror one time. He said, ain't you, son. Amen. I, I never talked to the mirror again. Never talked to the mirror again. This is a vile body. It has a propensity to sin, our flesh does. It's going to age and die, this part of us, this physical part of us. But there's a part of us that's going to live forever somewhere. And when you come to Christ as your Savior, it's, it's not just somewhere. It's with Him in heaven forever. Heaven isn't the goal of the Christian life. It's the byproduct of having Christ in you. Can you say amen? And the prize of the high calling, I don't have time to give you all the scriptures, but I will sometime. The prize of the high calling is to become like Jesus. And that's why, listen to this carefully, listen to it. You'll never understand or appreciate some of the bad things that you go through to humble you and fashion you more like Him and appreciate them instead of questioning God about them. Until you understand His eternal purpose for every child of God. Now let me put this in context, because pulling stuff out of context creates a pretext and you really don't understand Romans 8.28, I love it, I love it, I want more of it. Can you say that with me today? I love it, I love it, I want more of it. Here it is. For we do know, and if you don't understand the context with verse 29, you'll never know. You'll be questioning until Jesus comes. And when you get to heaven, you're going to try to be Lucy to Desi. Lord, you got some explaining to do. No, when you get to heaven, you're going to know. <laughs> we'll understand it in the by and by. us the reason. He'll tell me why. Can you say amen? But down here, we need an understanding while we still don't understand everything. Listen to it carefully. For we do know. That means it's settled. 
No matter what happens, it's unshakable truth and reality. For we do know that all things work together for good to them that love the Lord. Soft and pliable, delight thyself in the Lord. And are the called according to His purpose. Are you ready for verse 29 so we can define His purpose? For whom He did foreknow, He did predestine. Just to go to heaven and live with Him forever. Stay your sad old self. Amen? Amen? No! The goal is higher! The goal is higher! The goal is higher! God set a higher standard than most Christians are even seeing or reaching for. And He wants you to see it. And He wants you to reach for it. And He wants you to know that He can take everything, even what's meant for evil, and use it for good to achieve that end. Hallelujah. Brother Venable, have you ever been hurt? You betcha, and God used it. Brother Venable, have you ever had something to just put you on your back? Absolutely, and God used it. Have you ever had setbacks? Absolutely, and God uses them. Can you say, man, have you ever had somebody let you down? Absolutely, and God is using it for an eternal purpose. If I count it all joy, you've got to know this to count it joy. Mathematical term. Amen. To put it to the account of joy instead of your normal reaction to negative things. Amen. Hallelujah. Count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trial of your faith worketh patience. Let patience have her perfect work, that you might be perfect and entire, wanting nothing, that you might fulfill God's purpose. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know what? One translation is a loose paraphrase, but I like it. it because it fits me. It says, don't always try to squirm out of your trial troubles. Oh, Lord. <laughs> I wish I just stuck to the King James. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> I'm good at squirming. For whom He did foreknow, He did predestinate. That's why everything can be used to achieve that end. For whom He did foreknow, He did predestinate to be conformed to the image of His Son. Hallelujah. If trouble comes and I fall on my face and I humble myself and I say, Lord, not my will but thine be done. Who am I becoming like now? I'm not like me. Just want God to take away every one of my problems and pressures. And if you do, I promise to praise you. And I promise to serve you. And I might even love you a little more if you just do that for me. Can you say, man, no. No, you quit bargaining with God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He learned obedience through what? What did he have to crucify? What did he have to do to follow God's will and purpose? Jesus Christ himself. Amen. He learned obedience through the things that he suffered. Can you say amen? Let this mind 
I'm going to close with this, which don't mean anything, but means I'm going to try to stop. Can you say amen? Amen. First Peter chapter 4, verses 1 through 5, or somewhere in that neighborhood. Amen. What does it say? Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ the Lord. That's not First Peter. Amen. That's another scripture, but let me finish it. Let me finish it. Let this mind be in you, which was in Christ the Lord, who made of himself no reputation. And though he thought it was not robbery to be called equal with God, because in fact he was God incarnate. Amen. He humbled himself and took on himself the form of a servant and became obedient even to the death of the cross and before he suffered on the cross jesus christ suffered in gethsemane he the amen the bible said for as much in first peter chapter 4 and verse 1 for as much as christ has suffered for us in the flesh. Before it even got to the cross, He went that far, obedient to the death. It began in the olive press, in the olive garden, Gethsemane. Can you say, man? He said His soul was sorrowful unto death. He sweat, and the pressure that was on Him to say, not my will, but thine be done, was so strong that... that Little capillaries begin to burst under the skin, according to medical professions. That's why just a little scratch will make you bleed. Because the skin and the the hair follicles have little capillaries feeding them of blood. And when the stress got on them, they begin to burst. And the sweat glands and the blood on the surface blended together. And a rusty... Biggest sweat drops like blood begin to come through his pores. He sweat... In Gethsemane, great drops as blood. But he set himself, his face as a flint when he left that garden. Because he said, amen. He said, not my will. If there's any other way to save lost, hopeless, helpless mankind. I don't want to go through this. And we'll get into that sometime. Because it was more than nails and pain. cry from that cross showed a pain in spirit and soul more than the pain in his body and the pain in his body was indescribable Eloi Eloi in Pilate's hall there was complete confidence and consolation my father is always with me everybody else is gone but he's with me but on the cross when he took the punishment for our sin treated as if he had sinned when he was sinless. Eloi! Eloi! Lama Sabachthani! Interpreted, my God. My God! Why hast thou forsaken me? He did not die with the consolation of his divinity. And the sense of his father's caress. He died as a lost, helpless, hopeless sinner. Yet he never sinned. But he knows the heartbreak of the lost. Because he felt it on the cross. Tempted in all points. Tested in every way. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I don't know about you today, but I feel him here today. For as much 
1 Peter 4, 1, For as much as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh. Can you see where it happened in Gethsemane and on the cross? Arm yourself with the same mind. For he that suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. It don't mean you can't sin or you won't sin. It means that sin is not the predominant force and influence in your life anymore. He that says, not my will but thine, is going to get the will of God. And heaven is going to help you to achieve it and attain it. Hallelujah. All of heaven's resources are yours when you surrender to the Lordship of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you want to live for God, hell can't hold you back. Hallelujah. Because Jesus will set you free to serve Him. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Amen. For as much... As Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourself with the same mind. For he that suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, that he no more live his life to the will of the flesh, but to the will of God. That's freedom, real freedom. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And he that suffers with me shall reign with me. Can you say amen? And I'm going to tell you something. That don't just start when you get to heaven. It means right now we reign in life. Through Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. To the extent that that old man is dead, God can live through me. You say, Brother Rumble, this is some deep stuff this morning. Yes, it is, and it gets even deeper as we go into it. This is called the manifold grace of God. This is what grace has provided. Can you say, man? Last scripture. Last scripture. Possibly. <laughs> Hallelujah. On day. Thou art beneath thy, beneath thy privilege. Thou art living beneath thy privilege, saith the Lord. I've called thee to a higher calling. I've called thee to a higher place. Thou art living beneath thy privilege and beneath my purpose. But I've called thee and I am calling thee to a higher place, saith God. Somebody give him praise. Somebody give him praise. Somebody give him praise. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Is it your goal just not to drink again? Is it your goal just not to smoke again? Is it your goal just not to cuss again? Is it your goal just to not, amen, hang with the same crowd? What is your goal today? Is your goal to follow Christ, to know Him, to make Him known? Ephesians 5 says, Be ye followers of God. As dear children, and walk in love even as he Christ walked. That sounds to me like he wants us like him and not them. And them is not just the world, it's your nominal, 
satisfied, unsanctified, and yet completely satisfied. Church member. I show up on Sunday, keep my foot in the door of the kingdom in case I need a miracle on Monday. But take up my cross, deny myself, press toward the mark because I want Jesus more than I want anything this world can offer. That's not the goal. Somebody said, the danger is not that we will aim too high and miss. The danger is that we will aim too low and hit the mark. That's the danger to the Christian life. We aim, uh, what is my mark? What am I striving for? I want to get the Holy Ghost talking tongues and I want to get a vision and a dream so I can be respected among my peers. I know some very un-Christ-like people that will talk in tongues like an angel and cut you up with that same tongue. So I am not impressed because I want to I see something of Jesus in me. Not just hear something about what God showed them and told them. I want God to show them their self. Amen? He's, they can read everybody else so clearly. God can show them what's wrong with all the rest of us. I think it's time that they let God show them their true self. They might see it's not my brother. They might sing a new song. It's not my brother. It's not my sister. Soul sister. <laughs> Playing Mr. Mr. on the radio. I know I heard it. No, I'm just kidding. Amen. It's me, oh Lord. It's me, oh Lord. It's me, oh Lord. It's me standing in the need of prayer. Amen. Why don't we sing that anymore? Because we don't walk in that kind of sense of our own need anymore. Amen. It's me. It's me. It's me. The old hymns of the faith was not just a little ditty with vague, vague messages that are beat-driven. Christian pop music has a place for entertainment, but that's all. When it comes to worship, it gets deeper. And they used to call it sacred music because it wasn't to snap your finger, pat your foot, or clap your hand to. It was to raise your hand and worship God too. Can you say amen? Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Be ye followers, and the word follower in the Greek means be you an imitator of God. It simply means living godly rather than living like the world. So that should be our goal. And when sermons come to reveal our weaknesses and our flesh's desires instead of God's purposes, we should take them as they're meant to be, to help us to put to death the flesh that we might take up our cross and follow Christ. Because if you don't deny yourself and take up your cross, newsflash, you cannot possibly follow Christ. Because He learned obedience through the things that He suffered. He that suffered in the flesh. Oh, Brother Venable, don't mention suffering. I'm not talking about suffering in your spirit, suffering in your mind. I'm talking about your old man 
that old one that's full of revenge, full of jealousy. The green-eyed monster is not the hook. Amen. It's jealousy. Amen. It's jealousy. I can get jealous of a preacher with a big church. And you'll know it if I do, because I'll say, if he had God, he wouldn't have a church like that. He'd have did all run off just like mine. Must not be nothing to him. All them people love it. If he preached the truth, they'd leave him tomorrow. Look at me. When you don't have a goal to become more like Jesus, you're going to be satisfied with you where you are. And when you're satisfied where you where you are, it's not the devil anymore holding back revival. It's we where we are and happy with ourselves. I don't really need anymore. I'm not motivated to do like Mike used to do when he laid down between the benches. His grandma sitting with his grandma in the back row. I thought church was over. I looked for Mike. I saw his grandma sitting there, and I said, where's Mike? I'd walk to the back of the building, laying down on the wooden floor between the pews, seeking God to get closer to him, to know him better, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. There laid Mike in the floor seeking God. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Honey, that's what brought that freedom of spirit into that, that church on 10th and Sitka, down in Suffering Springs. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. People seeking God on Sunday morning. Praise God. And guess what? God showed up. And God showed out. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's stand to our feet today. He's a good and gracious God. Hallelujah. And I believe that there's a move of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Deep calling to deep. Deep calling to deep. Deep always calls to deep. Hallelujah. God's Spirit always calls to our spirit initially. Not our emotions, not our mind initially, but spirit to spirit. And there's something in my spirit that is responding to a definite, distinct call of God. Come away with me. Come away with me. Come away with me. Amen. Get away from the, the tumult. Get away from the hustle and the bustle. Get away from the system that turns your heart from me. Come away with me. Look into the blue sky. Hallelujah. Not just the movie screen, the television screen, the department store window that's 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 vying for your attention in your eye hallelujah have a quiet time sit in my presence father I, I feel that pull now this is just me when I get up in the morning I don't turn on to see what the news is I don't flip on the computer amen I don't have Facebook I don't check Facebook first Thing. I don't check the news. I don't look at TV first thing to see what happened yesterday and what's about to happen today. I go outside and I look up into heaven and I talk to God and I say, Lord, this is the day. This is a new day. Your mercies are new every morning. I don't know what is out of control in the world, but I know who is in control of the universe in my life right now. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. hallelujah. I don't know who won the debate. But I know there's no debating this fact. This is the day. 
the Lord has made. I will rejoice. I'm going to hear some stuff that's going to tear me down, tear me up. But I'm going to begin with rejoicing in you. Because you are in charge. You are Lord. You are my God. You are my King. You are my Savior. Hallelujah. And everything's working together for the good that you have purposed in my life. Hallelujah. 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 Everything. That traffic ticket slowed me down. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, yeah, you've got to grow up to do that. <laughs> Thank you, officer. <laughs> Thank you a lot. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> I sure appreciate it. <laughs> it's going to be okay. Might have saved me a wreck down the road. $350, are you kidding me? Thank you, Jesus. Listen, listen, listen. When this old flesh takes a, takes a licking, your spirit keeps on ticking. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Glory to God, glory to God. Amen and amen. Help me to be obedient to the speed limit. Brother Bimble, did you get a ticket? Not, not in about 20 years. But it ain't because I wasn't speeding. <laughs> My day is coming. <laughs> oh, Brother Bimble, I'm just a human running late all the time. Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I love you. I want to be more like you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to be more like you. I want to be more like you, my Lord, my God, and my King. I want to seek you with all that I am and all that I have. Let's give him a praise before. Did you get anything out of this preaching, teaching, camp meeting service today? <laughs>